everyone, and welcome to a new edition of Thinking Aloud about film. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. And today we're going to be talking about Arturo Ripstein, the Holy Office, also known as the Holy Inquisition. Uh, in Spanish, it's El Santo Oficio, a celebrated film in the sense that it was one of the few Mexican films to be uh, shown at Cannes, where it, it actually uh, ran for uh, the Palme d'Or uh, and got uh, superb reviews. So, Richard, what did you think? And can you tell us a little bit about what it's about? As with all the other Ripstein films, I, I really enjoyed it. This is, this is from the year after the Castle of Purity. It's, I'd say, much more kind of serious and austere kind of film than, than the other ones. Um, there's no no music on the soundtrack, for instance. It's, it's very sort of documentary style almost. And it's the only one we've seen that's a period film. So it's set in the, I think, 16th century. It's about a family in Mexico during that period who you, you realise quite early in the film they're actually Jewish. And this is the time that the Inquisition is persecuting people who don't have Catholic beliefs. So the family are betrayed by one of the sons who has been living away in a, in a monastery and, and meets them again. They're then imprisoned, they're tortured, all sorts of dreadful things happen to them. They all betray each other. There's religious intolerance and kind of extreme religious faith displayed both by the Catholics and by the, by the, the Jewish people. It's, it's a very interesting film. Yes, it's a, I think it's a great film. It's a serious film, yeah. It is actually about intolerance. It's based on real court transcripts. It's very beautiful and very powerful because I think it's very complex. The whole beginning where, you know, the father dies, uh, it is a Jewish family. They are having a Catholic burial, but they slip in a few things in Hebrew. The son, whom they have actually sacrificed, if you, you know, we can put it that way, as a cover-up, for continuing with their own religious practices. Yeah, has been obviously completely indoctrinated now. He didn't know his family was Jewish and observes these rituals and denounces his own family to the Inquisition. I mean, what a powerful beginning. Yeah, yeah this, this is all like, this is like the first five minutes yes. of the film almost. It's, oh it's my God. Like uh, because it's so, yeah. I mean, I think the film is really wonderful in the ways that it is nuanced about all of these things because i think the family is good i mean i don't think they do evil things except that once they get caught nobody is able to withstand torture and i just think well probably nobody is able to withstand torture right like this is not one of those movies where arnold schwarzenegger kind of yeah, <laughs> beats all right it brings out all of those complications and actually what comes across most clearly is to me a, a condemnation of the church mm. yeah because you have all these smug men actually it really made me think that its continued relevance at least for me is the way that it it at least makes you question equivalent things that might today be happening in places like iran where they have a very strong faith and it's very patriarchal and it has its own kind of Jesuitical kind of discourse where, of course, certain things make complete sense 
if the logic is only restricted within that frame of thinking and seem yeah. absolutely barbaric and horrific outside yeah, that. Yeah, the legal process is that because the, the son denounces them and one of the priests kind of looks up the rules in a big book and it, it's like, oh yeah, okay, it says here that a family member is not allowed to defend his family or her family, but they are allowed to denounce her family. So their evidence is admissible, but only if it's negative evidence, <laughs> not if it's in their yes. favour. When they bring the mother in to, to interrogate her before they torture her, what they say is, well, we have this evidence against you, so we know exactly what happened, and you just need to admit to what's happened. The only evidence they've got is what the son has told them. There is no defence, even though it's only one, one you know, it's really one person's word against another, but you only believe the, the condemnation. Yeah, and it's worse than that, because it, it is within the auspices of the Holy Office that the sister gets raped before she's even heard. It's almost like her being arrested by the Inquisition, yeah, all of a sudden makes her vulnerable to all this violence. And of course, the mother can't resist uh, the torture. And the son, who in jail begins to have ideas that he's got the power of God in him, you know, and has visions and, you know, can now convert people of other faiths to the true faith, uh, he becomes a kind of a mirror of, you know, what the Holy Office is about, falls under the first sign of torture. That was really interesting because, as you say, he's, while he's in prison, a monk, a Catholic monk who's under suspicion too, is put in his cell, but put in there essentially as a spy. So he's going to get, be treated with clemency if he can get the guy to admit information. But actually he ends up, being persuaded by the, the Jewish son of the truth of the Jewish faith and is not necessarily converted, but he's kind of moving towards being converted. And, and, and as you say, this convinces the son that he has holy powers. The family are released halfway through the film, but under, uh, under sentence. And he sort of persuades a, a woman to have sex with him on the grounds he's going to follow the Messiah and, and, and this kind of thing, and which is the point at which he... It's quite interesting. The family as a whole is not bad, but it, it, it's an ambivalent view of them, I think. What happens to the family is as soon as they fall into the hands of, Inquis of the Inquisition, they get broken. The sister obviously goes mad and loses reason yeah, because of her rape. But the son, whom you think is handling things well, is even worse. He's able to function. He actually you know, gets a good job. But really, he's as messed up in his head. Uh, he's not the same person he was before, yeah, which was just like a prosperous m merchant. And the film is very good about giving you resonances. So these are people who escaped Jewish persecution in Spain, thinking that they would find more freedom in the new world. And of course, the Inquisition follows them there and becomes even more brutal because of the coming of Protestantism and Luther in particular, but also because the, the film hints that under all of this religious righteousness, really all they seek is to enslave indigenous people and to confiscate the property of as many other people as they can. So it really is driven by ideas of money and capital and power, yeah, and not at all by faith. So this is you know, a misunderstanding that they all make, even as faith itself is questioned. Because of course, you know, a believing God 
doesn't give any of them the power to resist torture yeah. and to behave terribly, to name names, to denounce others, to basically be the instrument to which others face torture and die. It's a really yeah. morally complex film, isn't it? It is. I mean, the first betrayal is when you, you know, when you see the, you know, the mother, you see the beginning of the torture. She's then brought back to the cell with the daughter and she just says, I'm just, sorry, I've betrayed the entire family. And later on when the son's taken in and you see, you know, you're, you're shown that he believes he's got this power of his religion. They go quite far with the, with this kind of press thing that they keep, they keep turning another, another notch. But he's by the end, he's just betraying everybody. And the, the final people he betrays are his, his, his lover and his wife. Every Jewish character we've met is betrayed in that scene. Yes. What did you think of the film visually? As with his other films, it looked great. In some ways, you didn't expect it to be so colourful, but the colours on the the costumes and the, the that they were forced to wear to show their their guilt were were, were very vibrant. And it, again, the way he places groups of people within the frame, I thought, was very interesting. So at the beginning, you get the sense that this is almost like a family melodrama, like the ones we're used to seeing. So we get a lot of very beautiful, pensive close-ups or two shots in enclosed spaces yes obviously you know they're hiding they're <laughs> praying in secret yeah or they're in cells you really get the sense of claustrophobia and then of course the moment that it all opens up is at the moment of the auto de fe yeah where they're they're all paraded down the street with their hats each wearing the color of their sin they're suffering a spectacle ostensibly of warning uh, to everyone else. And that's the moment where you really see the full production, that you see that this is really a big budget film. In that last 20 minutes or so, you know, you have thousands of extras, you have the costumes, you have the parading down the streets, the big sweeping camera movements and uh, so on. Um, so I think it's an interesting kind of contrast. Which, which is interesting because, as you say, it, it looks quite big budget and it looks like it has a bigger budget than The Castle of Purity, for instance, which was the, the previous film. But you would imagine that those other films were closer to kind of exploitation cinema and this was yes. a more serious subject and probably a more controversial subject. Mm. So it's, it's, it's interesting that he gets a bigger budget or uses a bigger budget for that subject. Yeah, well, it's a period film, it's a historical setting, yeah. So it kind of, it makes sense. Though there are a lot of continuities. I mean, you mentioned that Claudio Brook, who in this film plays the Inquisitor, and in the Castle of Purity was the father. Those characters are not that different. Their obsession on purity, on doing the right thing, on the rigidity of the dogma in both. And I thought that was interesting because they're both written by Jose Emilio Pacheco. You know, on a little tangent. One of the things that really fascinates me about Arturo Ripstein. We tend to think of these directors as these, I don't know, unique individual figures of genius or whatever. And one of the things that becomes clear as we see more and more of their films is, you know, that these films are the result of these collaborations with really extraordinary people. So Gabriel Garcia Marquez, and Carlos Fuentes both worked on his first film. Right, I mean, right. You know, those are like Nobel Prize winners, right? Like right from the yeah. beginning. Right? <laughs> and then, you know, here's Jose Emilio Pacheco working on these two. And then we also mentioned, you know, how Manuel Puig 
uh, worked in uh, the place without limits. These are extraordinary people to be working with. What I find powerful about this film is that it takes on history. It continues these questions of, you know, masculinity, the patriarchy. There's a great deal of sympathy for all the women and how they're victims of all of this. This kind of a critique of the false heroism of these men who think that they are more than they are. Uh, and on the other hand, it is also very much about colonialism, yeah, about people kind of being enslaved under the banner of faith. It is also about making history newly relevant. There's that moment where, because he has been found to be a Jew, he's made to wear that yellow tunic with the X, Mm, uh, yeah, which yeah. makes him visible as a Jew to the rest of the populace and thus makes him vulnerable to all their hatred and prejudices. They all blame him for the uh, pandemic of pestilence that's kind of going through town and which is attributed to the Jews, right? And that really has resonances for me of the Yellow Star. I think it's quite incredible how all of these things kind of get mobilized into this film. Mm. Are there any things that struck you, any scenes that you found particularly noteworthy. As you, you mentioned earlier, it's the sort of imagery in that final sequence with all the different hats and costumes and the way they're sort of paraded and the way they, they all get arranged in that final sequence, sort of sitting, the ones who aren't going to be burnt, sitting in different circles and the people who are going to be burned are sort of, they're, they're all tied to the stakes, but with each has a white robe executioner behind them and a black robed priest in, in front of them. And it's a really, really powerful image in, in that sequence. But the other thing I found fascinating in that sequence is, is that you, and it's not stated, the, the priest goes up to each victim and says, do you accept the, the faith of Christ? And if they accept the faith of Christ, they're immediately killed. If they don't accept the faith of Christ, they're burnt alive. You see a few people, including the mother and the, the daughter and the son, all go against their principles and, and, and accept the faith of Christ to avoid the painful death, which I, not, I wouldn't criticise them for. But you realise in the last shot that only one of them, only one out of about 20 people, is being burnt alive. Yes. All, 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 all the yeah, others. It's a woman. And it's a woman, yeah. All, all, so one, one young woman has, you know, stuck, stuck to that and refused to accept Christ. Um, all of the others, you, it becomes clear, have. And, and no one, this isn't mentioned, it's just... Yeah. So you do see the woman refusing to yeah, accept yeah. Christ. Yeah. yeah, But actually, you're right, it is then noticeable that, that's, that all the others have. Yeah, and kind of makes it powerful because how is any indi individual, how is any human invulnerable you know, to that kind of pain. That has historically always been the problem with torture in, in terms of getting information because, you know, at a certain point, people will tell you whatever you want to hear so that yeah, they, yeah. they stop suffering, right? The film demonstrates this uh, very, very powerfully. It's a film that I think it's meant to be harrowing, though I didn't experience it as harrowing. I mean, I was really very much involved with it and kind of very interested in seeing where it was going. It is harrowing, but it doesn't dwell on stuff. I, I didn't know much about where it was going inside, kind of, once they start torturing the mother, which is only about 40 minutes into the film and you've got another hour and a half to go, is this going to be the whole film? But but actually, no, it, it, it doesn't dwell on those scenes. It, the burning at the end is quite an extended scene, but I think it has to be. But you, you, you see two torture scenes and neither of them is 
is particularly graphic, I would mm. say. So in between this narrative that begins on a low note, i.e. a brother betraying his family, and which kind of descends into further betrayal, suffering, pain, destruction. There are all other kinds of moments that are not of levity, but are about strength and courage and community. I very much like the depiction of the prostitute, yeah, which he falls in love with and, you know, who's treated very kindly and, you know, you're kind of never judging her for doing her, her job. He's in love mm. with her. I thought all of that was very interesting. I thought, you know, the hermit character, the value on knowledge. And then, of course, the other moments in the film, the coda to the film, which is that Jewish culture and faith survives still behind closed doors. Yeah, and you have the young man putting the blood over the door. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Of, you know, the, uh, those things are so well balanced out, I thought. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's interesting, there's even at least one sympathetic character among the Catholic priests Yes. as well. So there's a, the older son ends up working for a priest and tra transcribing documents for him. And this priest does try to help him and does try to you know, plead his case to the, to the Inquisition. I'm actually curious what you made of that moment, because the way that I understood it, he was meant to go and find money to pay a fine so he wouldn't be yeah, forced yeah. to wear the yellow X. And the priest goes to speak on his behalf, and then instead of just paying the fine and removing, he is made to undergo torture. Because the previous sequence, he he goes to visit the hermit, and then they they go and visit an old Jewish guy who's, who's dying ah. um, and try and get him to reaccept the Jewish faith, and he refuses. The scene where the priest takes him to pay the fine, there's someone else there who says he'd seen the guy yesterday not wearing the, the cross. Ah. And so that I didn't quite work out who it was, but that was someone who had seen them during that sequence where they visit the dying guy mm. and then reports him to the Inquisition that he should have been wearing the cross and wasn't. And he then he looks at him through the door and identifies him. Right. So the, okay. pri the priest is still trying to help him. It's just unfortunately by, by trying to help him, he's he's taken him to to his doom. I thought it was a wonderful film on a slightly different vein than we have been used to so far because so the place without limits and the castle of purity they're both kind of exploitation-y aren't they? Yeah yeah. Uh, they're both kind of genre exploitation-y low budget they're often like filmed in one room right or a series of rooms a house uh, with a very few exterior shots. This is, I thought it would be an exploitation film because I thought as soon as they're taken into the Inquisition, yeah. Mm. But actually, yeah, yeah. it didn't quite work out that way. It's true that the daughter is raped and the mother is tortured and the mother's dress is torn so that you see her breasts. But that is certainly not filmed, you know, so as to incite desire or attraction or lust. It's kind of no, to be no, horrible. It, both those scenes feel necessary in order to show the, the horror that they're being subjected to, and it's, it certainly doesn't dwell on on the nudity. Yes. So I think this film is a departure in that sense, mm. yeah. The image movie have chosen to illustrate this makes it look like an exploitation film. There's a sequence where the, the younger daughter who's gone mad is, is sort of tied to the bed and gagged, 
that's the image movie have chosen to illustrate the film. It gives a false impression of what the film is going to be like, really. It's certainly not the image that we will choose for our podcasts. <laughs> certainly not, because we have more decorum taste. and taste, I would say. <laughs> well, you know, all I'd uh, end with is to urge people to see uh, not only the Holy Inquisition, which, by the way, also won several awards in Mexico, so awards for best film and also for uh, Jorge Luque as best uh, actor. But I would also urge people to see the Arturo Ripstein films that are currently available on Mubi. None have disappointed so far, and we will continue our exploration of this work until we exhaust its availability on Mubi. So I'm Jose. I'm Richard. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.